I'm your host, Arrow Kopak, and you're listening to the podcast MP3, Mastering Personality, Perspective, and Productivity. I'm excited to talk with you about productivity with purpose today. To set the tone for our conversation, we'll use this quote by Tim Ferriss, focus on being productive, not being busy, something we fall into so often. So with today, the productivity with purpose, I wanted to share kind of a vulnerable and honest story with mm. you and with our listeners about my experience with losing motivation for productivity. Mm, I'm curious. In the past, I was a workaholic at times. And which I'm sure many can relate to. And actually, my best friend would nickname me OA, standing yeah. meaning overachiever. <laughs> that was my nickname. Wow. I was a workaholic, worked hard, pretty motivated, known for a good work ethic. And yet, at one point in my career, I hit a huge lull. Really? Yes. I lost my drive for productivity mm. and developed, frankly, apathy. Wow. So from one extreme, it sounds like, to the other. Yes. And some of this may be attributed to my boss at the time previously had said, please stop working so hard because you're going to burn out. Right. And I'm sure that that was part of it. It contributed. But what happened was the moment that I realized something was going on was my roommate came home from work. And we worked at the same place, different roles, different teams, everything, but worked in the same place. When she came home, she said to me, Ariel, are you depressed? I'm worried about you. Wow. That was an awakening moment. Sure it is, right? If it was that obvious to her, like just from mm -hmm. your behavior, your external body communication, right? Oh my goodness. Before that moment, I kind of thought that my immediate response was, no, I don't think so. And I also didn't think that I was frankly capable of a depression. Right. I understood that you know there were... My understanding was that there are people who are depressed or get depressed, and there's people who don't. Right. And you thought you were always in the don't, right? Right. Yeah. It, this can't happen to me. But probably what you found out is that it can creep in, sounds like kind of slowly without you even knowing it. Yes, it can happen in a very unconscious level, yes. Yes. not aware when it's happening, that it's happening. And that was the case for me. It took a friend saying, are you depressed? And me having to wow. really think about that question. It, although I said no initially, later on upon reflection, I realized I was. Mm -hmm. I was a little depressed. And that depression led to apathy, lack of motivation, lack of productivity, and I wasn't sure why. And so that led to trying to understand why. Why was I depressed? What happened here? Nothing in my personal life was a cause for depression. So what could it be? Right. And I knew that something at work had bothered me, but I didn't realize to the extent that it had affected me. So you knew what, it was work. Yeah. And it was work, but I didn't know what. What I later discovered upon reflection and putting myself back into the place of digging back in, kind of pushing past that apathy or setting up my environment to not allow me to be apathetic in a way, I later realized that my depression was a result of me losing my clarity of my purpose with my role, with my work, wow. with my value. That's pretty intense. Did that, well, first to realize it, and then, you know, not many of us, well, I, I'm going to go back on that. Some of us do have that clarity of purpose, but losing it 
it's kind of like losing your flashlight in the woods when it's dark <laughs> Yes, is what it kind of sounds like. Right. And that, mm-hmm. that had to be quite an experience for you. What'd you do when you realized that you'd lost your clarity of purpose or your why? First thing after I realized that, which was different from when I kind of showed up. So after that moment of my friend saying, are you depressed? And I said, I don't think so. And part of that was because she was my roommate. And so she had seen that I wasn't going into the office if I didn't have to. And I was you know, working from home and avoiding people and avoiding you know, opportunities, avoiding projects that I previously would have been all about. Mm-hmm. I was in a very withdrawn state. And that was what she witnessed. So part of it was telling someone that I was going to show up so that they would make sure that I showed up and having that accountability. So some of it was putting myself in a position of, hey, I'm going to be coming in on these days or I'll be having this meeting with you, setting up my environment to force me to show up when I didn't feel like it. That was the kind of the first step. But that I did before I even understood that the cause was losing my sense of purpose. Mm -hmm. So after realizing that it was because I had lost my sense of purpose, after that I determined that I would never let my sense of purpose be so dependent upon a role or a current position. Right. I had gone into that role that I was in at the time with clear intention, clear purpose. And I thought, this is what I'm going to do. And this is what I'm going to produce. And this is going to be my value. And when something external happened, I felt that that had been taken away. In reality, it hadn't, hadn't, but in my mind, that had been taken away. That was your truth. You're left kind of wandering around right? You know what? I'm kind of aimless. You know, you're showing up and going through the motions, but you know, so what? You know, kind of like, so what? Why am I doing this? Right? You know, and then, and day after day, you know, you're asking yourself that question and and not landing on an answer. But once you land on it, right? You said something real important there, right? You know, you never want it to be dependent on the role. It kind of should be the other way around. Your role should be there to satisfy your purpose. Is that kind of where you're going? Exactly. Yeah. hundred percent. So what happened? So I determined that my role would never define my purpose and I had to clarify my purpose for myself. Mm-hmm. And then whatever role I end up in, I can see how I can fulfill my purpose through that role, as you said, but my role does not determine my purpose. So that became the filter through which I saw. And that helped actually in a lot of different areas when it came to later on, when it came to delegation and other aspects, because it wasn't you know, when that came to delegation, it wasn't, if I let something go, I'm losing my purpose and my responsibility anymore, as that might've been my previous tendency. It was, okay, I'm going to find a way to fulfill my purpose in a different way, in a different role. So I lost that sense of dependency that I had on the role without even realizing that's what it was. Right. Right. It can almost, if you get caught in that cycle of the role defining what you're doing, Mm -hmm. You hit you, you hit a nerve with me. <laughs> I kept chasing project management roles, or I kept falling into different jobs that I would try to make my purpose come out in those jobs. And they were roles, like you said, job equals role here. Never got the satisfaction I was looking for. A lot of the core values that I had were not being met in any of those quote unquote roles or jobs, right? There were bits and pieces of them there, but they really weren't enough to to satisfy my appetite for what I really wanted to do, right? Which was my purpose, right? Right. And it sounds like that's where you what happened to you. And and thank goodness for you, you realized it early. Yes, I'm grateful for that. And that made me very grateful for having that experience, having a depression, knowing what it's like, knowing that anyone is capable of it, and identifying 
why that may be happening, why that sense of apathy occurs. Because oftentimes when we have a sense of apathy, we get scared, we get confused, and it affects our self-identity, and we don't know why. So identifying that there's a lack of clarity, a lack of purpose, and that's going to affect anyone, whether it's to the point of depression or not, that aimlessness Mm -hmm. results in apathy. Oh, it definitely does. So what happened when you found your purpose? What happened? What changed? What was different, right? You went from realizing you were in this state of apathy, meandering, wandering. What happened when you did find it? What became your motivation? Can you share a little bit about that? Absolutely. The piece that that clarified was, I have to be focused on my purpose or what I want to provide and what strengths I have to provide that. Mm-hmm. And so then it was whatever I'm asked to do, wherever I'm showing up, whatever role I'm in, I'm going to be open about what my strengths are and not be coming from a place of fear. Really what it did was it reduced the fear because if someone was, I'm putting air quotes in this, taking away my role or taking away some of my responsibility, if there's a dependency there, that results in an extremely fear-based reaction. Right. You got nothing to stand on. There's no foundation. There's nothing there. So it's a fear of losing your foundation versus knowing that you have your own foundation and anything that comes your way, you can receive, but you're not dependent upon. You're not going to fall apart if it goes away. And that's something real important that you're saying there, leading with your strengths. We've talked about this a couple of times, but I know uh, some of the history that I had in the workforce was that if you had a weakness, number one, people love to point it out. Thanks for that. Thanks very much. (laughs) And sometimes they don't do it in a kind way. Uh, Mm -hmm. The second was they felt like, well, if if you're weak in this particular area, then then you really need to work on it, right? And so this whole notion, strength-based and going with your strengths came about in the last, you know, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years. You know, I remember reading Marcus Buckingham's, you know, strengths strengths book and realizing, oh my gosh, work could be like this. Mm-hmm. And then it started, you know, in the background, I don't know if you really got to it there, but we, we started talking about what are your strengths? You know, well, you realized, I'm sure early on, well, coaching, helping people mm-hmm. get over their barriers, right? Harness your hindrance, yeah. which is what you mm-hmm. do. Those are your strengths. You have a lot of gifts to give people into the world. Well, hello, purpose. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right? Yes. And yes. so then what do you do? You start looking for places where, or, or opportunities where you can mm-hmm. exhibit those qualities. And what you're saying ties so much to what we're talking about with productivity, because absolutely that's true, but that was not an easy journey for me. I still remember the moment that my, one of my former bosses said to me, huh, who would have known you're even better with people than projects? (laughs) And (laughs) wow, (laughs) (laughs) because I, at the time thought that so much of my value was in kind of that project manager role, getting stuff done, getting stuff organized, getting people on board to complete a project. And Mm -hmm. I liked the satisfaction of getting that done. So when we talk about productivity and busyness, I liked the satisfaction of, okay, that's done next, that's done next, that's done next. So when I realized that my, I had greater strength and greater value to provide when I was focused on people and development and coaching, I loved coaching. I fell in love with coaching, but it's also very scary because mm-hmm. I realized I'm going to have to let go of some of that immediate satisfaction of getting that thing done. Right. Or find it in other places, right? You know, right. But right. there's the fear of the known, right? Well, I know what this is. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can touch it, feel it, smell it, <laughs> whatever it is. 
when you're working with people, yes, it's hard to get that immediate satisfaction of this thing is done, especially when you're focusing on developing people, coaching mm -hmm. people, and it's a journey. And yes, there's a step-by-step -step to it, but it doesn't necessarily provide that as much immediate satisfaction as completing a project, completing a portion of a project. So I think that ties to productive versus busy. Are you sacrificing doing what's most productive, most impactful, most purposeful, or most right. in alignment with your purpose for what feels good because it's done, it's busy, it's immediate. Right. And being able to distinguish between the two. You know, you said something in a conversation we had where you said, you know, if you're not productive, there's likely something emotional going on. And that was the case with you, right? You know, so somebody who you were close to or could observe your, observe your behavior, let you in on the secret, <laughs> you know, observed yeah. and gave you some insight and you did something about it, right? So that's what's really neat there. It's interesting though that it's funny because I was a former project manager too and I get different <laughs> satisfaction. I got my satisfaction. We were somewhat the same. My superpower was getting people together. I could facilitate the daylights out of any meeting, you know, and, you know, being able to read people, get the most out of them and all of that. So I love having an aerial in the room who likes having the, the check boxes go off. I like that too. But, you know, my main thing was, are we all happy? Are we good to move forward? Is everybody good? Everybody on board? You know, do we have that cohesion going on? And I know you enjoy that part too. What I got, what I found was I didn't need the other, I didn't rely or need, have to rely on the other pieces of the project management world to complete me. Mm. And it was very interesting. We can go into this another time, but, you know, somebody had told me at one point, you know what? You're not really a good project manager. Yeah. I was like, okay, in your world, why? <laughs> yes. I think I put it a little more delicately, but, you know, I'm curious, you know, tell me why. Sure. You don't follow this particular method and you don't, you know, check these boxes and you don't draw out these diagrams and all that. And I did, but not to the level that they wanted or what was in their mm -hmm. world. And that was okay. But I was satisfied in knowing that what did it for me was knowing that, you know, I could keep a project moving along because I knew if the people were invested, and we talk about mm -hmm. this in terms of motivation and productivity, I knew if they were motivated, if they could see the light at the end of the tunnel, if they could buy into the project, we were good. That was their motivation. They could each excel in their part of the project, if whether it was communications, human resources, information technology. If they could work on their skill set and bring that, you know, to the table, if they could work on their mm -hmm. strengths, okay. I was just there to remove stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. That was my superpower. But it's interesting. Yeah. You talked a little. You talked a little bit about talking about being motivated, kind of like this stick and carrot approach. We've yeah. talked about that. What does that mean when we talk about the stick and carrot approach? So the stick and carrot approach is about setting up your environment where you're incentivized with the carrot, and you're incentivized to avoid the stick. Right. So there's the setting up of your environment. And it's a very important and effective approach. It's important to set up your environment for success. And if there's something deeply emotional going on, something that's you know causing apathy, at that rate, you might just say, I'll take the stick. So I think oftentimes people talk about the stick and the carrot, and it's an important thing to realize. But it's also important to realize that those are incentives to support your mission and your drive and your success. But when you're in a state of apathy or lack of purpose clarity, the carrot and stick won't do as much. It's not going to be as effective because you have to have a little bit of that drive and a little bit of that clarity of what you're pursuing first. Without that, the carrot doesn't look so enticing and the stick doesn't look so scary. 
So those, I think the carrot and the stick are important to support you, but the clarity of your purpose for why you want to be productive, the clarity of your purpose and your why is extremely important. And the carrot and the stick approach support that. And I think so oftentimes people want to use the carrot and the stick approach as the end all be all or the solution. Yeah. And the, I believe the solution is, is deeper than that. And the carrot and the stick are to support. They're the external, not the internal. The internal needs to be addressed as well. And I think it's easy to just push past that because it's uncomfortable and it's hard work to dig into, you know, why am I not feeling motivated? Why am I not being productive? Or why am I holding mm -hmm. on to something that makes me feel productive, but isn't actually as productive? So that's a little bit with the carrot and the stick, that it's the external. And there's also the internal part that needs to be addressed when it comes to productivity. Which kind of brings us full circle to kind of rounding out your story. So we can let the other shoe drop. <laughs> <laughs> did you find your clarity and your purpose? I did. Yeah. I did, but I didn't the first day I went back into right. productivity mode, I guess you might say. So there was a little bit of setting up the environment of having someone hold me accountable. That was me kind of establishing the stick, you might say, to mm -hmm. push me to show up. But I still had to go through the journey of clarifying what my purpose is, what my why is, what my value is, regardless of what role in which I fulfill it. So that was the piece of making sure that I had the set up my environment for success right. to show up, but also doing the hard work of identifying what's my why, what's my motivation, what is the reason I'm doing this, and I can define it, and I can define how I'm going to show up, just like you said, talked about with the project manager role, right? You you knew your strengths, you knew how mm -hmm. the value that you provided to people, and the project manager role was the way in which, the the role through which you did that, but your purpose and what you contribute didn't change. It just molded to the role. It did. And not until I got out of that that role mm -hmm. did I realize that I could really blossom, flower, take off, whatever you want, whatever you want to be. And I think that's important to leave with. So one bit of the wisdom and advice that we're going to leave people with is always get back to your why. And here's the thing. I love what you said there. And it's very key. And I want people to listen to it very clearly. You may get it day one. You may not get it day one. And right. you know what? That's okay. That's okay. It is totally okay. <laughs> I've been doing this stuff now for four years, speaking, training, mm -hmm. writing. And every day I check in with my why. And the first couple of times it was tough. It was very tough. Mm -hmm. It gets easier the more times you ask yourself. Some days you might not have an answer and not having right. an answer is okay. That's all right. I would encourage people to keep going after your why, just like you said, and, and keep asking yourself that question right? Know your purpose mm -hmm. for productivity. Know your purpose for your productivity always, no matter the external. Right. The purpose helps to channel the productivity. Are you doing productivity for productivity's sake? Or are you doing productivity with purpose? Because productivity with purpose will help you achieve the results. And otherwise you're doing productivity for productivity's sake, and that ends up being the hamster wheel. And we, <laughs> we don't want that, right? Purpose for your productivity, productivity with your purpose. Thank you for listening. If you want to know more about the podcast, events, workshops, or coaching, visit harnessyourhindrance.com slash mp3. And don't forget to subscribe for the podcast mailing list on our website. I have three asks. I ask that you listen to at least three episodes of this podcast before giving a rating, but then please do. I ask that you share this with three people who may benefit from the conversation you heard today. And I ask that you capture your three takeaways from this content. You may always text message MP3 to 
2494 to stay informed when new episodes come out. Again, thank you for listening.